you know, I want to be remembered for doing something positive. And uh, if if my career should somehow end tomorrow, and Warehouse 13 is my Mona Lisa, then I'm okay with that. Hello, agents, and welcome back to Podcast 13. Yay! Welcome back! We miss you so, so much. Genuinely, Jillian and I have been talking about how much um, we miss just doing this and interacting with everybody. We've been on Twitter, but we really needed a break and took a break. However, we are thrilled to not be on break anymore. We're so ready to be back. Oh, I am just, like, dying with excitement for season two, and we have the best mailbag episode we're about to do. Yes, I am so excited. Uh, First, we have some housekeeping to do, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first item of business was that we missed you very much, and this episode is for you. And the other is to announce that we have a new release schedule. Indeed we do. So we have been releasing episodes on every Tuesday. We're going to move to every other Tuesday. Um, This is for a lot of reasons, but they're all reasons that will benefit the podcast. First of all, we take a long time to edit. I am sure you listen to other podcasts that are a little less organized because they're more radio style, but we have a very specific set of like things that we're doing in a certain order and we edit them all in a very specific way. It takes me like at least nine to 12 hours per episode. And we both have full-time jobs. I think I have like three jobs. So so that's a big commitment and um, it will make our editing better and less stressful, obviously for us. And also it gives us some more time to find experts to interview and that, I mean, that takes time because you, we want to find someone who can definitely contribute to the conversation and who we think that you'll really enjoy. Yes. Yeah, so I don't think our listeners know, but it takes a lot of time to get a busy professor to commit to a, you know, block <laughs> that they're going to record with you. So yeah, we're definitely using our best resources to find really smart and interesting people, underrepresented people who you may not always get in, you know, the history books. So it's going to be awesome. We're really yes. excited. So excited. So we're, we're all going to be nice. And we have created this new schedule to make life easier for everyone involved. Yes. I love you so much, Jill. (laughs) Yes, and we're so thrilled for the people who wrote in. And I did not forget that I will send you a button. I still have like 50 buttons from Klexicon um, that I can send. We'll reach out to you about it. And we're also obviously going to update our Patreon shoutouts and all of that good stuff in our first season two episodes. So we are very aware of our commitments to you and how much we care about you and all the things we owe you for making our warehouse dreams come true. And our final two announcements are first that this entire episode contains many spoilers and second that we also have a never-before-heard interview clip with Jack Kenny describing what Warehouse 13 means to him. So stay tuned to the end for that. So without further ado, I am so excited to read your letters. Yes! Thank you so much for writing in. We're going to jump right in. Woo! I was urged to watch Warehouse 13 and then listen to your podcast. I was told I would not be sorry. 
This was, in fact, the truth. Warehouse 13 filled the hole in my heart left by the loss of such shows as Buffy, Woohoo, Angel, Fringe, woo-hoo. and Battlestar. Woohoo to all of those. <laughs> and then pouring over those episodes again and again with family and friends who were likewise fans. I do not know how this show slipped past me during its initial run, but I'm kind of glad it did because it's been a long time since I had a show like that, and it's such a welcome distraction these days. And now your podcast fills the role of pouring over episodes with friends and fellow fans and with such tremendous insight and scholarly perspective and the added bonus of the feminist lens, the Victorianist lens, and the TV writer insider lens. That's you, Jill. <laughs> the 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 one before that was you, and then the one before that was both of us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Empress.com is a feminist lens career guidance website founded by two educators and authors with a love of pop culture. This podcast really hits home with us on all notes. And that is from Ellen from Empress.com. Yes, thank you so much, Ellen. And she also recorded for Empress.com an intro very early on. Empress.com was an early supporter of us, which means the world because we are a feminist podcast. Yes. And if you want to check out that website, it is in the show notes for one of the early episodes. So please go and read those show notes. Yes. So letter number two. This reading comes with a content warning. Uh, Topics include suicide and also there is a spoiler. I came to Warehouse almost after it was finished airing, but at a very difficult time in my life. The show, and especially H.G. Wells, helped me become okay after a suicide attempt. I figured if H.G. could try to end the world and still be someone who people loved and a good person, then so could I. Sorry if this was darker than you were looking for. Maddie, who is at H.G. and Micah on Twitter. It's not too dark at all. At all. And we want to thank you so much for writing in and sharing something so personal because... I think that's what a lot of people who aren't as into pop culture don't understand about fandom and pop culture communities is sometimes people in your life don't understand specifics about what you're going through in a way that is helpful to you. But when you find a group of people who gravitate toward the same piece of media as you, it gives you a base level of something in common that can help you open up in ways that you need to, that you can't necessarily do in your everyday life. And we're so grateful to be a part of that community with you. And we're so grateful that you feel able to talk about what you went through. And we love you for sharing. Yes, so much. And we love you and anyone who feels the same way. um, You know, we're here to help. And also we have lots of resources. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And don't be afraid of really anything. I mean, me and Jill are both pretty open about having anxiety and depression and taking medications and going to therapy. All of those things are important and they're great. They help. They're so important. And I just want to say that while nobody can guarantee that anywhere is a safe space, we work really hard to make sure that this podcast and the communities that we foster in relation to this podcast are as safe as we can possibly make them for you to share and we never want you to feel like you have something deep and dark inside you that no one will understand we're always here yes so thank you for writing in maddie and uh a lot of people can relate to your experience yes all right ready for the next one yes 
This reading comes with a content warning for depression and disordered eating. Hello, my name is Heather and I saw a tweet from you guys saying you wanted us to send you an email with details about how Warehouse 13 impacted us. We did. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> I started watching the show when I was 16 or 17, now 23. I was in college. Australian grade 11 and 12. Woo! Australia! Hey, Australia! We love the international followers are writing us in. Okay, anyway. I was out to a number of friends as bisexual as I was too afraid to admit that I was gay. I was scared of coming out to anyone at that point. I was also incredibly depressed and deep into an eating disorder and I had no self-confidence. I saw an episode of the show on TV, season 3, episode 2, and I instantly fell in love with the characters. I had no idea who they were, but I instantly fell in love with the warehouse agents. I knew I had to see the rest of the show, and I ended up binging as much as I could up until that point. I had never and still have not found a show that I have fallen in love with and felt so connected to. The show made me feel like I was home in my darkest moments. It made me feel safe and wanted. I used it as a distraction for my mental health problems on a regular basis, and it helped me so much. The relationship between H.G. Wells and Micah made me feel so much more comfortable in my sexuality. I know that it was all totally subtext within the show, but H.G. and Micah were such important characters for me, especially Micah. She was strong, smart, sassy, fun, and caring. She helped me realize that a woman can be strong and feminine and kick ass all in one. Heck yeah, they can. Yeah. I feel like I could be kick ass too. You already are. <laughs> the way she let HG in was something very similar to what I would do. I've always been very forgiving and kind, and in some ways, it has backfired on me too. But their relationship, whatever it was, made me realize that I didn't need to be so hard on myself about being a kind and accepting person. It didn't make me feel weak anymore. That's it's, so beautiful. It's so beautiful, and being vulnerable and kind is one of the strongest things a person can do, and I totally validate that. Yes, absolutely. Because of H.G. and Micah as well, because they were strong women who stood up for themselves, and because H.G. wasn't secretive about her sexuality, in quotes, many of my lovers were men. Insert Micah smirk here. Oh, you said it just like her. You did so good. <laughs> we we know what you intended. We know. Many of my lovers were men. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I've never had an opportunity in my life to say that, but someday I will. <laughs> I mean, it's true. That is true. Yeah, represent. Um, because she wasn't secretive about her sexuality, I finally felt that I could be strong enough to admit who I was. I came out to my mom, and she was... She was and still is incredibly supportive. I started to tell all my friends that, yeah, I'm a lesbian, and that doesn't make me weird. But I know that I probably wouldn't have had the courage when I did if it weren't for the kick-ass women I was seeing on TV. And don't get me started on how much I love the rest of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that sounds like Jillian responding, but she's still reading the letter. It's amazing. Yes, and the love was in all caps. I just have to, you know, really put forth... Her narrative voice. Yes, and Jill is gesturing with her narrative voice. I think, what did we say her name was? Heather? I think Heather is really getting her voice invoked here. <laughs> Each one brought something new to the show and made it hilarious, sad, and amazing. I felt so connected to them from the minute they were on screen. I have never watched a movie or show or read a book where I can happily say that there isn't a character I like least or don't like. 
The whole gang are pretty equal in my heart, and I see little bits of myself reflected in every single one of them. Speaking of my mom, I got her to watch the show too. It's not her normal genre of show, so I wasn't sure if she would like it. She ended up loving it, and it is still one of the things that we bond over, theorize over, and watch together. We always have a good time talking about what our favorite artifact or episode is. I don't know what you want this email for, but I am looking forward to finding out. Kind regards, Heather. This is this is what it's for, Heather. Good job. <laughs> good job. I love it. That was a brilliant letter. And can I just say that the uh, characterization, um, hilarious, sad, and amazing, like that is Warehouse 13, especially in those middle seasons where it gets a little darker. It's just nailed, nailed, nailed it, Heather. I love it. And I totally know what you mean about finding that show. The one that changes you, the one that makes you understand yourself better. For me, and and nothing will ever compete with that show, even if if you find a show that's technically quote-unquote better or, you know, has evolved more in terms of representation of something Mm -hmm. or nothing will ever make you feel the way that first show does because it unlocked something in you. And that that is such a good thing that you included in your letter because that's an experience I think most pop culture fans understand. Shall we move on? Yes. So I'm so stoked. I just scrolled down and I got Aslam's letter. So yes. uh, Hi, Aslam. Hello, one of our biggest Twitter proponents, always telling people to listen to our show. We appreciate that so much. All of you... You know, even if you can't financially give to Patreon, we understand that. We are low budget ourselves. But when you tell other people how much you love our show, it does amazing things for us getting to reach more earballs and have more uh, just like positive feminist discussions about a show we love. We love this community and we love everyone in it and we love when it gets bigger and we can welcome them into the big group hug we've got going on. (laughs) Oh, yes. So, dear Podcast 13, how has Warehouse 13 changed or impacted my life? Well, at first, I grabbed it on Netflix as a show to watch when I was trying to do things in normal life. I was in law school at the time, which is a very stressful time of life. You don't say. (laughs) Yeah. If grad school for a non-law degree is really hard, I can only imagine a law is insane. Um, So I was hoping for a half-decent show to take my mind off things when I was trying to escape from work. So here was a show with an actress I'd never heard of, that guy, and (laughs) Daphne's jilted fiancé Donnie from Frasier. That's amazing. Yes. At the end of the pilot, I was still on the fence. But when the agents left the ailing musician to be with his estranged daughter at the end of Resonance, because no one was hurt and they were just people trying to do something good, I perked my ears up. This clearly was no run-of-the-mill procedural. It wasn't some cheesy sci-fi show like Mr. Who. (laughs) Shaking our fists at the screen! If you're a new listener, that is an episode to a... Uh, sorry, that is a reference to a very early episode where I told you that my sister trolls me by calling Doctor Who Mr. Who. I love that it's become a thing. Please, It's such a good callback. Yeah, yeah, I hate it, but like, feel free to keep trolling me by calling Doctor Who, which I personally love, by calling it Mr. Who, which I hate. <laughs> uh, yeah, returning to the email. It wasn't Battlestar Galactica either. 
Yeah, because that's, like, a really serious and, like, you die at the end of every episode. It's so good, though. We're not saying it's not good. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, your heartstrings are, like, inter... It's not what I would characterize as light in any way. There you go. Yes. That's a good phrasing. You should watch it if you haven't, though. Yeah. (laughs) It was this in-between show. It was a procedural. It was fun, but it also had a huge heart. Just about as huge a heart as I'd seen in a TV show that wasn't setting out to manipulate your emotions, such as This Is Us, for example. The first thing I thought of was This Is Us. I have not seen This Is Us, but I am just ideologically opposed to shows and movies that purposefully try to manipulate your emotions. I think it's terrible. What do they call it? Like Oscar bait or whatever? Like, it's awful. I... Have complex. I haven't seen the second season or any of the seasons beyond it. Um, I would say the first season was good, but I I don't like watch it to watch it. I watch it like when I need to cry and like release some emotions. Fair. Well, Jillian is one of those people who, um, like most people, holds in emotions sometimes. I just like cry at the store. <laughs> I want to be that person. See, I more accurately, I'm the person who holds in emotions until I forget that I'm holding them in, and then, like, a month later, I'll start crying while petting my dog, and I'll be like, why is this happening? Yeah. Fair. (laughs) You know, if you combine me and Jillian into one person, we would be, like, a super good, amazing, best-at-everything human person. We're still pretty great, though. (laughs) (laughs) We are both individually really great. I'm just saying, like, together, we make one brain. I agree. Um, Okay. Back to the letter. Yes. Here was this warm, accepting show that was fun, but cared. It reminded me of Firefly in some ways. It took me a little longer to get properly hooked, but I was. Super valid. Very, very relatable. Mm-hmm. Not only that, the show didn't take anything away from anyone. The artifacts weren't necessarily responsible for the things people accomplished, but rather gained their otherworldliness from the acts of people, in many cases anyway. Contrast this with another show that I did really like, Grimm, which used its lore to basically absolve humanity of all its faults, attributing crime and genocide to its creatures. Since that's essentially a grown-up fairy tale, I give it a pass. Well, half a pass. (laughs) Maybe three quarters. (laughs) And unlike many science fiction and or fantasy shows, it doesn't grab a hold of Judeo-Christian mythology as the framework of its world. Like even Buffy does, as much as that show was a masterpiece, the vampire and hell framework feels like it's ripped from the biblical headlines. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. As a Muslim-born atheist, it's nice to see a religion I don't believe in shoved down my throat as another way to make me feel my otherness. (laughs) I didn't at first grasp the sarcasm, and I was like, he doesn't mean that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, huge sarcasm about otherness. We get it, Aslam. We get you. (laughs) Yeah. While representation of people who look and sound like me is still shockingly low on TV and in movies, except in properties where brown people are the ones making it, such as Master of None, or where brown people are a stereotypical affectation, such as Raj in The Big Bang Theory. Oh, The bong-bong theory, thumbs down from me. Um, This at least didn't pile on. So on to how it affected me. Well, I want to talk about Pete. Pete! Eddie McClintock, we love you! Here's this tough guy, a former Marine even, who wasn't a caricature. He was tough. He was smart. 
He was soft. He was brotherly. He cared about right and wrong. He was a complete character who never let his emotions be a weakness, but never felt like he couldn't express them. This goes back to, to Heather's letter. I mean, these characters being so three-dimensional and, like, genuinely kind, but also hardcore and cool, there's such a huge feminism in that, in, like, showing that that feeling and care is not a weakness, but actually, in many cases, a huge strength. Yeah, I'm actually tearing up a little bit, for real, and... I think it's because I so agree and while I 100% believe there needs to be so many more female writers in television, I love when male writers write characters like Pete. That, yes. And definitely. I think that's why I'm getting emotional about this is because when people create Pete, especially men create characters like Pete, it shows that there are real guys like Pete out there in the world and that's such a a beautiful thing to remember when masculinity is shoved in your face all the time. Oh, seriously. And I was, I was thinking the exact same thing of how as feminists, we need men to be our like co-conspirators. We need men to be like, yeah, we feel emotions just like you have strength, like blending those like stereotypically contrasting ideas. Like, men need feminism too more than they know like in order to be whole and healthy humans like we need to break down that like toxic masculinity framework so we're we're with you yeah um continuing on i'm in my early 30s now and i grew up in a time where you were taught that men don't show weakness you don't cry you don't ask for help and you definitely don't ever ever cry or ask for help (laughs) this was how i was brought up and yes, did you hear Bella chirp? Yeah, Be- Bella says, yeah, tell him, Aslam. Bella does, she agrees. And yes, I still go through life with that chip on my shoulder. It's not something you ever really get free of, I don't think. But it chipped away a little bit. Pete helped to teach me that it's okay to feel, whether you know those emotions or not, whether you keep them to yourself or not, whether you cry, whether you care, or whether you just want to look out for someone. Okay, so maybe I still can't cry in front of people. Same. I'm also not afraid to admit when something has made me cry. I'm not afraid to admit that I have feelings. And when people come to talk to me about their feelings, I'm able to say it's okay to feel what you feel and that they don't have to push those feelings down to deal with them. Sure, practicing what you preach is a different type of hurdle, but maybe I'll get there. And that's partly in thanks to Warehouse 13 and Pete specifically. Just reiterating what he said, it is okay to feel what you feel. Jillian's crying. (laughs) I, like, didn't expect to be hit this hard emotionally by this letter, but here we are. Absolutely. Um, Talk to a therapist or even just a friend about how you're feeling. Um, Back to the letter. So that's partly in thanks to Warehouse 13. That's even before mentioning how I was raised by a mother who is a textbook smart, strong woman and how nice it was to see smart and strong women represented in the show so fully and real. But that's not really my story to tell. What a perfect letter, Aslam. That's beautiful. So beautiful. And hello, Mama Chowdhury. Ah, yes, hello. <laughs> Great show. 
both Warehouse 13 and your podcast. I love your show if I haven't made that obvious by now. Like I said, I'm working on expressing my feelings, but it's still a work in progress. Please keep up the amazing work. Regards, Aslam. We love you, Aslam. That was so good of a letter, and I'm sorry we kept stopping in it to cry, but but we are sharing our feelings. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Awesome. New letter. Hi, ladies. At Miss Tiffy004 here. I, Tiffany, but Tiff, really. Okay, Tiff. First read about Warehouse 13 on After Ellen in 2012, if I remember well. R.I.P. After Ellen is full of turfs now, but in 2012, it was a great place to be. Correct. We do not hold this against anyone. We no. don't hold this against anyone except for the turfs yes. who can go pound sand. Yes. <laughs> well said. It was an article about H.G. and Micah and the chemistry they had on screen. I remember there was a fan vid in the article, and when I watched it, I was hooked. It was a fan vid to the song Hardest of Hearts by Florence and the Machine. Love Florence and the Machine. I started watching more and more fan vids. How addictive these can be. Until one lucky day, I found the DVDs for season one and two. Season one didn't impress me too much at first, but I kept watching as I knew HG was going to be in season two. We are so excited for HG in <laughs> We're season so two. so excited for season Basically, two. Basically, like, we just had to do our very best in season one as we were waiting on the edge of our seat for, uh, I mean, Jamie Murray, but HG Wells. Okay. Yes, but we love all the other characters, just to be Oh, clear. absolutely. It's just extra, extra special when she comes on. Yes. In parallel, I had real bad kidney stones that year, ouch, oh. which took me in and out of the hospital. The show helped me keep my mind off it. That led me to spend more and more time on social media and discover through Facebook and YouTube how awesome the cast was. I must admit, I had a bit of a crush on Jamie Murray because I'd seen on Facebook how funny she was on her Twitter account. Sorry. I decided to join Twitter in December 2012 after my last surgery. Little did I know, this would change my life forever. Ah, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm, like, getting so emotional about these letters, which is so uncharacteristic of me. Miranda can tell you. Like, I don't do this. Okay. A few months... After a few months making new friends from all over the world, sharing the same passion for Warehouse 13, someone new started to pop up in my notifications, and we almost immediately clicked. The dream. (laughs) For real. It was April 2013. We started following each other, and we would tweet all the time about Warehouse. After a few months, a new season of the show was coming out, and since I was in France, whoa, France, finding a way to watch it was a bit tricky, so I started asking for help on how to find episodes, and that's when I got my very first DM from at Bearing Wells, giving me a link. Uh, From there, we started a never-ending private conversation about the show, of course, but also about anything we could think of. Flash forward to a few more months, and on my birthday in September 2013, we became Facebook friends making it easier to chat through Messenger. Sorry, at Bearing Wells became Jacinda, and we started spending more and more time getting to know each other. A few months later, February 2014, we Skyped for the first time on Jacinda's birthday. We were both very nervous, but we had an awesome time. After another few months of tweets, Messenger, and Skype conversations, we started talking about how we'd like to meet in person. Around the end of August 2014, my seasonal contract got prolonged for another month and a half, allowing me to save for a plane ticket to go visit my new best friend on the other side of the world. Just before leaving for Sydney, 
I spent the weekend in Paris for a Xena convention where I got a chance to meet Lucy Lala's. Hell yeah, she's That's awesome. So awesome. That's so great. As I was getting her autograph for myself, I told her where I was going the next day when Lucy looked at me and said she was sure I'd have a great time in Australia and how she was sure I'd find love there. Because why not? As she said. I giggled at the time, but who knew she was actually right? Lucy Lawless gave you a prophetic vision. That's amazing. I love everything about this story. I love it so much. And also, I've never been to a Xena convention, but I know people who have. And they are some of, like, the coolest, like, old school queer women with, like, matching denim jackets. It's incredible. I Um, love Lucy Lawless. I did not know there were Xena specific conventions because of course they are, but it just never occurred to me. <laughs> but I did see Lucy Lawless at a convention once and she had literally just gotten out of jail because she was protesting ah, for like yes. an environmental cause and I was just like, she is the coolest person in the world. So if anyone's going to give you a romantic prophetic vision, Lucy Lawless is the one. Okay, back to the letter. Almost 40 hours of traveling later, I finally landed in Sydney to be greeted by Jacinda and her family. I spent the next three weeks with all of them, discovering the city, going to the beach, hiking in the mountains, and spending most of my time with Jacinda. I should have gone back to France after a month, but I was having too much fun with my friend and decided to extend my stay for another two months. We slowly <laughs> slowly, we slowly grew closer and closer until she finally admitted her feelings for me and I realized I shared those feelings. It was a difficult decision, and from the beginning, we knew we'd have a lot of obstacles to overcome, one of them being in a long-distance relationship for almost a year. But almost five years later, and I've been living in Sydney for three years, for three and a half years, I am waiting for my permanent residency visa and later on, dual citizenship. We are engaged in the middle of wedding preparations, ready to expand the family, really living in a world of endless wonders. I got lucky enough to meet my best friend, soulmate, the love of my life, really. All thanks to a little show called Warehouse 13. Who knew? Lucy Lawless, apparently. I have goosebumps all over. Like Goosebumps, like, on my ankles. Like, I know. Th- this is an incredible story. And like we said, the power of fandom and then bringing people together across, like, France to Australia, that's amazing. That's so good. I mean... From the outside, the minute you decided to extend your stay, I was like, it's love. It's obviously love. (laughs) Fun fact, for our wedding next February, we will both be wearing custom-made shoes I had made by a friend of mine when we visited France last year as a gift for our four-year anniversary. The shoes are our little tribute to our beloved show and favorite fictional ladies. Thank you, Warehouse 13. Thank you so much. You will forever hold a special place in our hearts. At Miss Tiffy 004. Oh my gosh, I love that this. That so good. I love it so much. Um, and I also, I actually believe that they told me, or I read on a Twitter thread early on in creating the Warehouse uh, podcast account about this story, and I specifically asked them to write it in. So thank you so much for just sharing that beautiful love story with us. It's incredible. And... Um, when does it say when your wedding is? If your wedding has... February! Okay, so your wedding has not occurred yet. Coming up! We are so excited for your wedding. (laughs) Um, all right, next letter. Um, hey girls, I came across Warehouse 13 in 2013. 
It had been showing up in my Netflix suggestions for a while, but I had never paid much attention to it. Just before I moved to another city in August 2013 for work, I decided I would give it the two-episode test that I usually give shows. Good test. The pilot is never indicative of a show, so good, good call. I saw the pilot. It was okay, but didn't really make me go, I have to continue watching this. And I remember thinking, let's watch another episode and see how it goes. From that moment on, it just clicked. Thanks, Jack Kenny. <laughs> yes! That's the, now we know why Jack was involved in everything but the pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he swooped in and made this show beautiful. Um, I think the way they handled Micah's issues with her father was the one thing I could relate to. So as the episodes continued, I became more and more attached to Micah in a way. She was the closest connection I've had with the character before, and probably ever. A few months after I moved into this new city without knowing anyone there and having absolutely no friends, I switched jobs and I became very depressed. Super valid. Being Mm -hmm. in an in-between state of life, like new job, new city, it's one of the hardest things. Um, I believe I was already depressed, but not to a level that I would really think, oh, I'm depressed again. At this new job, I was the only one in my department and I had little contact with people and I felt invisible. A lot of my previous experiences with relationships and people ended up in them getting distant with me for no apparent reason. My friendships and relationships all were by proximity. Once you took out the proximity, they were gone. Super common for people who just like graduated or got out of school. Mm-hmm. By that time, I was deep into the show. I would watch it every weekend. I went back home and I discovered fan fiction again. It had been years since I read any. Think Live Journal. That that old for today's young generation young is in quotes and i i love that girl (laughs) i don't know your gender identity however oh my gosh i actually also so i wrote teen titans fan fiction when i was about 14 um and (laughs) i like this was fanfiction.net era and also like quizilla if you're an old school fan fiction person we were on quizilla a lot um and then I had the same experience. I, like, graduated to writing original novels. I, d- I don't want to, like, say that there is a quality difference because some fan fiction is, like, the most brilliant quality I've ever seen. You just graduated to the medium that you were most comfortable in. Yes. I moved forward in my writing personally as I am now a novelist, like, for, for real. But the... Um, Warehouse 13 fandom is what brought me back to AO3, and I read so many coffee shop AUs. There's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful, one of you probably wrote it, honestly, from like 2013, there is a um, H.G. Wells and Micah literary-themed coffeehouse AU that I would read like every day to deal with um, my anxiety when I moved to grad school. This is so. the first time I'm hearing about this, by the way. Oh, boy! Yeah, I really got into fan fiction for for that same thing. I had started grad school, and I just needed H.G. and Micah having their literary-themed lattes. All of the latte names were so good. Whoever wrote this fan fiction, you are probably listening, and I want you to know that it like really helped my life. Um, so yeah, it had been years since this writer had read any, and then they got back into it. As the depression deepened, um, so continue, continuing the letter, 
As the depression deepened up to a dangerous point, Warehouse 13 became my escape and the characters became my family and the only company in my solitude. I think that, along with therapy, the evolution that Micah had helped me to figure out why people kept leaving me, and I can't explain how, but I got to the conclusion that I was trying to pretend I was something that I wasn't just to fit in. In reality, I'm really passionate about TV shows and fictional characters, movies and soundtracks, classical music, and thanks to the show, reading. Oh yeah. But because I was born in a country where partying, drinking, and dancing is the norm, as well as dressing sexy and wearing makeup, I was always the weird one. I never did the latter, but I definitely tried to hide my interests because I was always perceived as boring. Feel that. I think that the show, along with the bunch of amazing writers of the fan fiction I read at the time, made me realize that I would still find people who accepted me for who I was, flaws and all. And I did meet some wonderful people thanks to the show that I still call my friends and helped me through difficult times, still do. You make your own family and that it's okay to be a nerd. The, okay. That's like my life philosophy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Found family is Jillian's cover letter for writing jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it legitimately is. It actually is. <laughs> Needless to say, the way I see it, Warehouse 13 kept me going for a long time, and I'll be forever grateful for it. Thanks for doing this, and I'm sorry about the rambling. I'm Latina, we talk a lot. No rambling at all. That was an amazing story, and again, just so brave to share like those relatable experiences of feeling alone and then using fandom to feel less alone. So totally, and that is from at Mons Foster or Monsi Foster on Twitter and into her vagenda on Tumblr, which she shared, <laughs> which is a wonderful fringe reference. And I see you and it is beautiful. It is beautiful. And yeah, I mean, I just, I love the willingness to be like, yeah, I'm a nerd. I like reading. I like history. There is a place for you. And I think before the internet brought nerds together better, it, it would really feel like you were alone for a while. And now we're like, oh yeah, we're all just writing Micah and Bering, blah, blah, Bering and Wells fan fiction. And I, and I also just want to say, you said that like, as your pre depression got to a dangerous point, you found solace in the show. Like, I completely understand that too. For me, the show at the time when I was dealing with things was fringe. There was just a point when I was like, I feel more strongly about these characters than anything in real life. Maybe I should seek some help, uh, which I know is common for a ton of people. And when you're going through it, it feels like you're crazy and you're not, and it's totally fine. And thank you for sharing this because a lot of the people writing to us are through it now. They've gone through the hard work and are in some stage of recovering from whatever anxiety or depression or PTSD they were struggling with, even if they're not, you know, quote unquote, better. Some of us deal with it all our lives, but coming forward and sharing a story like this is so important because it helps the ones who aren't at a point where they can write in yet. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks for reminding us of that, Jill, because a lot of the inspirational stories are people who are through it, but 
it's a never-ending process. And, and, and to the ones who aren't through it, we know you're here too. You're not forgotten and you're not wrong for not being, quote, over it yet. Yeah. And a thing I have had to tell my family recently is that they're like, we're so glad you're cured of your anxiety. No, I'm not cured. I am, uh, what's the word? I'm, I'm managing and treating a, you know, like chronic condition. So you don't have to feel like you have to become perfect suddenly at any point. You just get, you get the tools you need to, to manage. And it's great. There's this idea that to be healthy means that you don't have depression or you don't have anxiety, and that's not true at all. Being healthy means seeing yourself fully and completely and accepting all parts of yourself and learning the best ways to be kind to yourself, and that's all okay. And if you need a metaphor, shout out to my therapist, Fareed. He says that your anxiety is an unwanted house guest who stops by your house sometimes, and you just have to give them a bowl of soup or some little casual chat and then let them go you can't just never let them in because they'll always come back but you you give them what they need like you know you deal with your anxiety or you cope with your toolbox methods and then you send them away so shout out shout out um next letter next letter i think it's your turn it is so this one comes from colin who is another follower of ours on Twitter who we interact with all the time. And a content warning, this letter discusses the death of a parent. In 2013, my mom passed away and my wife, son, and myself moved in with my dad. A few months later, my dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. He underwent chemo and radiation successfully, but it came back. The doctors removed his esophagus for that was the only option. Unfortunately, the cancer spread to his liver. He passed away in September of 2016. I'm so sorry for your loss, your multiple losses. That's really hard. Earlier in the year, my wife and I attended our first Comic-Con, Wizard World. She wanted to see the panel with a couple of cast members from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yes. <laughs> we love Rocky Horror. That oh, was... I used to go every month um, to the Loft Cinema in Tucson. If you live in Arizona, go. It's like the last Saturday of every month, and they've been doing it since the 80s. They're amazing. Sorry. She wanted to see the panel with a couple cast members from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It was after Eddie McClintock's panel, so we attended his not knowing who he is. That's adorable! <laughs> I love that so, so much. And that's so totally how Comic-Cons are. Like, especially big ones like Wizard World or SDCC. Just, like, you find your spot and you're, you're just parked there all day, I guess. <laughs> like, that's just how it works. Um, he was talking about an awkward photo he took with Richard Dreyfus and that he had <laughs> never seen it. I found a photo of somebody who I thought was Eddie, but it turned out not to be. I went to his booth to apologize and told him about, and told him my dad was a huge Warehouse 13 fan. I'll never forget what Eddie did for my dad. He called him right then and there to offer words of encouragement and to let him know that he would be thinking of him. He signed some stuff for him, and until my dad passed away, that was the biggest thing for him and all he talked about. Oh my gosh. I know. Eddie. Eddie. For that, I will always be thankful for Eddie and always be a huge and supportive fan. I apologize for the length and any grammatical errors. Thank you for letting us all tell our stories. You too rock, Colin. Oh, Colin, you rock. 
You rock, and we know from our interview with Eddie that he cares so much, not not just like about fans, about all human people, but he is so kind. He talked about giving those hugs to fans who he knows have dealt with mental health issues, and like when he found out that a fan had a, you know, really, really difficult and ultimately terminal illness, he like, he like called and said he would be encouraging him. Like, Eddie is such a great human being in addition to playing this character that we love. There is such a fine line where it's like, yeah, Pete would totally do that. He would totally care for that, you know, guy who is sick. It's amazing. I mean, and I think that's one of the reasons this fandom is so great is because, and this isn't a knock against other kinds of fandoms, all people involved in shows have a right to their private lives and we staunchly agree with that and if they're not as active in fandoms it doesn't make them a bad person but I think that one of the things that's really amazing about this fandom specifically is Eddie and how much he gets it and and knows that he's helping people and I think that's really important yeah and we love this too when we talked to him we were like you know Eddie like queer women really gravitate to this show (laughs) and obviously he's not a queer woman but he understands even though he can't empathize he sympathizes he he knows that those people's experiences are valid and important and that his show has brought people together even if it's not his exact same experience so I think that's huge I would say to add on to that he knows that even though it's not his experience, his presence has a direct effect on people whose experiences it is. He knows that we're all, as people, we're all interconnected, and he does his part to really make sure that the way that he connects with people is good, and that is so rare and so beautiful, and thank you so much for this letter. Yes. We are so grateful to Glacier Nestor. I think that's right. Glacier depending on where you're from, you might say Glacier. Um, (laughs) A little British today, Jillian. (laughs) I'm always a little British. (laughs) Um, This person sent in a voice letter, so we're going to play that for you. Hey there, fellow agents. Uh, It's Glacier Nestor. Uh, You might have seen me interacting with the podcast on Twitter. You might not have. We did see you. But... We did. I heard that they were doing a mailbag episode and I had to get it on the fun. So they're talking about what warehouse means to you. And warehouse is incredibly meaningful to me because it put me on my current career path. Uh, after seeing what Claudia did in the show, I thought it was the coolest thing. Oh my gosh. It was no small part of why I decided to get into programming and computer science at large. Claudia! So it's been a huge influence on my life. That's not even to mention, you know, the effect it had on my appreciation for certain historical figures. Yeah. You know, as, as, you know, the podcast has mentioned, Farnsworth, it was not exactly a uh, big historical figure. He was not a big. He was not a big historical name to drop. And I actually dug into the history of Farnsworth because of the Farnsworths, because I thought it was just the coolest thing. It's so cool. And it's a fascinating story. Yeah. But that was obviously not the only historical figure. You know, it just gave me a whole new appreciation for so many historical figures. 
and also very much influenced my musical taste. <laughs> uh, Vanderlyle Crybaby <laughs> in in one of the episodes. Oof. Part of the reason I got into the National, one of my favorite bands. That's not even to mention how how good the like representation was for gay and bi people. Yeah. Which uh secret I'm bi <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't sink in until many years after my first watch. But now that I've gone back to watch it uh and finally getting to recognize that I'm bi, it was very heartwarming to see a a bi character like is she Oh, spoilers on that. <laughs> but anyway, I thought I'd put my two cents in. And hey, uh, keep up the great work that over there, you two. You guys are giving me a whole new uh, insight on the show. Like that color theory? I never would have caught that. Jillian! Great touch. I love it. I'm so glad and we yeah we welcome voicemails all the time um there is a patreon reward where you can pick a specific episode to have your voicemail in but also you know anytime we do mailbags or anytime you just have something to say you can send us a voice uh, a voice message whatever you want to call it that was incredible glacier love it Um, awesome and I do like want to say I totally get where you're coming from with loving the bands and the show. That is basically how I find all of my favorite music. Like, I'll hear something <laughs> in the background of a show and I'll be like, wait a minute, that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah, um, I thought, so I'm, I, I'm on a different uh, experience of the music in the show, which is that Allison Skag gets to play more and more music as the seasons go on because that was something that she actually discussed with the directors and they thought would be a good thing for her character. And there was an episode where she plays um, that song, Cherry Bomb. And first of all, it's incredible. Her version and rendition (laughs) of it is amazing. And second of all, like, I'm not very cool, so I didn't know that song before. And it introduced me to that song. And like, (laughs) oh, I love that. And that Claudia inspired you to program. Like, how amazing. And, you know, in the back in the day, like my dad was inspired to become an engineer because of Star Trek, but there's a whole new generation of people having that happen to them, and I love it. And I love it, and that's like a totally different thing that is, it's the same thing we were talking about earlier, but in a different way, where TV and media can really help you tap into something in yourself that you might not have realized there, and that's so cool. And it's huge because I, you know, as an educator, I see people who don't know what they want to do with their life. And that's super valid because college is that time to find out. But it's so helpful to, like, have media or just other, like, any representation, whether it's in a book or a movie, TV show, a comic. And you see people doing a thing and you're like, oh, maybe I would like that thing. Like, you get to get ideas from media about your own life, even if it's a science fiction show. Yes. And then one more thing, and I know, Miranda, you might cut this, so future Miranda, do what thou wilt. No worries. (laughs) Um, But I I do want to say that if you're up for it, I think that we can both heavily relate to really liking something and then thinking, wow, that's different. I really like it. And then realizing your sexuality later and then being like, (laughs) that's something to do with it that might yeah I see how I would have enjoyed that (laughs) that is true I mean to relate to your uh bi story glacier I would be like 
oh gosh, I have such a crush on that girl, but I don't have crushes on girls. Like, it, it's so weird in your own mind to know, like, you're really drawn to something, whether it's a person or a character or a show, and then you just, you just don't realize the actual reason why. And then for me, it was like, I was like, I really love that Micah and Pete aren't a thing. Like, I love, <laughs> I was like, great. Guys and girls can just be friends. Why is this so hard for media to understand? And then years later, I was like, oh, I'm, it's because I'm Demi. It's because that is what has happened. <laughs> and it's because your ideal relationship is one with the kind of emotional caring and, like, not necessarily hyper-sexualized romance. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's all. We, re we relate to all of you. The next few are all from Twitter, so thank you to our Twitter followers. Oh, yes, great. The next message is literally uh, not even a sentence, a phrase, a fragment, um, and it is do no Do you want reading. to say it and I'll do the claps? Yes. Okay. Positive, bisexual, representation <laughs> from Gracie. Yes. That is the message of why this person, Gracie, loves Warehouse 13. Absolutely. Totally. And I do want to say, I read a few articles that interviewed Jamie Murray about this and maybe maybe it was some of it was from a transcribed Comic-Con panel I can't remember uh -huh. but I know that she showed up on set and was like I think you want me to like go for Pete but I'm like really vibing with this other character <laughs> and <laughs> she really well you can tell the chemistry is there yeah and so she fought for it and like told the producers and it was like this is, like, a thing, so I wouldn't be surprised if, like, when they brought her back, they were like, I mean, yeah, let's just throw it in there. Let's just see what happens. And she was like, yes. And that, to tie in to the Lucy Lawless fans listening to this episode, comes from the fact that she was also on this show Spartacus, which is very good, and she has sexy times with Miss Lawless, and that was the first time that she'd experienced that because the characters were just friends, but also Roman Empire, you know how it goes, <laughs> and she started making out, and she was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that this was just an option for my character, but of course, it makes sense, why wouldn't she? Lucy Lawless is great, and so from then on, that role is what made her go forward really caring about and thinking about, hey, is the LGBT community something I can represent here? So, just some background. Yeah, and I can say that I have never seen Jamie Murray play a straight character. <laughs> she was also bisexual in Defiance, and again, I don't think she is out as a queer person. I believe she's probably a straight person, but um, yeah, she cares so much about being like, well, realistically, this character doesn't have to be straight, and we shouldn't just assume that they are, and that's huge. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, that was our bisexual representation claps. Yes. Thank you, Gracie. All right. This one is from at Maureen KY on Twitter. Oh my gosh, hi. hi. Sorry. Uh, this person is my Tumblr friend, <gasps> and we became friends through NCIS Tumblr. So, a huge shout out to the Making Across the World friends. Um, we love, love you. I love it. I love it. And we love seeing names we've seen all the time and names that we haven't seen before show up we just again this is like a big audio group hug to us ah oh, yes so she says hey guys my here's my submission for the mailbag episode 
Warehouse 13 gave me a wider perspective of history. Not only that, but it got me interested in a way I never thought possible. History had always seemed so drab before because each class felt the same. I became pretty disillusioned by the whole concept of studying any type of history. With Warehouse 13, the artifacts make the historical aspects exciting. It's an object that ties into the person's story in, sorry, in a neat way that makes me actually visu visualize them as real at one point in a way that reading about them in history books never did. That's so great. Yes, and again, as a quasi-historian, I mean, I'm a literary scholar, but whatever, history is often taught in the boringest ways, and that just breaks my teacher heart because it is so cool when you visualize those people as real humans with, like, emotions and struggles and, like, crazy like some of the things that have happened in history are insane. are insane and cool and they could be like soap operas and so yeah I think a lot of people got a different like oh history is cool like they find the the not only like the human stories in history for warehouse but they they find like the untold elements like when we did Sylvia Plath and it, it was about her recently dug up poem from college rather than that stereotype of her dying by suicide. Like every time we do these characters, um, they have some new or lesser known element being represented that's so cool with the history. Which is just the perfect way to hook some people. I think that when you look at history from this broad far away point it can seem distant and unrelatable but when you introduce it the way that the show does by just giving you a tidbit about the person it's like hooking a fish on a line like yeah it catches you and then you start to want to know more because it doesn't give you quite enough to give you a full perspective but you're like why did they do that oh and then you start reading things because you're interested not because people tell you you should be interested next letter Yes, it's your turn, I believe. Uh, yes. And a brief content warning for this letter. It discusses closetedness and feeling physically unsafe to come out to one's family. Warehouse 13 came into my life when I was 18. I was a scared, closeted lesbian with an overbearing family that was homophobic. That's really hard. I'm really it's sorry. really hard. Um... I found these wonderful, non-judgmental group of people that couldn't care less what your sexuality, etc. was. I also saw Pete, an alcoholic, and as a person who struggled with drink from the age of 14, I had to give it up too. I was masking who I was and trying to be something I wasn't, and I credit Pete slash Eddie with that push that I needed. At 19, I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. While everything around me was changing, there was a lot of specialists, my tumor didn't even present in the way that others do, so people were baffled. But the one constant I had was Warehouse 13. It would cheer me up. It would make me forget that I felt so depressed and anxious. Oh my gosh, having a brain tumor at 19? It's so of stressful. Course of course you're you depressed were. and anxious. Oh my gosh, you're so strong. As the seasons went on and I started seeing HG, Jamie Murray for the win, huge hard eyes emoji, more often, and seeing Jamie interact with people on Twitter, it gave me the courage to come out. My dad doesn't know, as I've been told he will murder me if he knew. Oh. 
but everyone in the family do and my friends. Good. I felt like a weight had lifted. I got a girlfriend five years this August. Yay! I moved to a completely new area where I feel safe, and we have a life filled with laughter. Yes. And truly, I know that coming out is a big part of queer culture, but that is your individual choice, and you know the people around you. Sometimes your parents who you think are unaccepting will surprise you, but if you know that it's not safe or healthy to come out to a certain person, that's your choice. Don't let the queer community pressure you to feel that that there is any right way to come out or to be out. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's it's all about living your best, safest, healthiest life. That's what it's really about. And coming out, in my opinion, is two things. The first thing is it's this great freeing experience for you, which is so rewarding in so many ways for a lot of people. But it's also a gift to the person you're telling. When you give information about yourself to someone that's that important it's like you're giving them a piece of yourself and if someone can't be trusted to keep that information safe it's like they're not willing to keep you safe and you are not any less out or any less queer because you can't tell that person they don't deserve it yes great point jillian thank you um continuing on My tumor has now caused my peripheral vision to go, and eventually so will the rest of my eyesight, so Jody, my girlfriend, and I do as many things as we can before it does. One of those things was meeting Eddie a couple years back and Jamie last year. I cried all over Eddie. Bless him. He was so kind and listened to me. Back then, Jody didn't watch Warehouse 13, but after meeting him, she gave it a go. She now understands why it meant so much to me, and loves it as much as me, which is why we are meeting him again for my birthday on the 4th of May, which recently happened. So congrats on getting to meet him again. Um, Warehouse 13 may just be a TV show, but it saved my life and made it better. Beautiful story. And you continue to fight with that tumor and the effects of that. Like, we are so proud of you and... Eddie obviously is proud of you too and so is everyone in this like community and fandom yes um this is signed thanks for reading Sarah who is at redhead wanderer p.s love the show you ladies are amazing you're You're amazing amazing. (laughs) and we follow you on twitter we know who you are and we care about you and we are invested in your happiness and our love to Jody who is clearly great for you like that's awesome I love it so much and I currently work in a part of media that is designed to help make TV and movies more accessible for uh, hearing impaired people and visually impaired people. Um, And I see, regardless of where your eyesight is, you are a part of this community. I think a lot of times people are really stuck on the fact that TV and films are quote-unquote a visual medium. And while I'm so glad that you were able to fill your eyeballs with this beautiful show that is so meaningful, I know in my heart that you will find more shows too. Even this part of your life isn't coming to a close just because the eyesight is becoming harder and harder to deal with. Like, fandom is still here for you, and I work for a company specifically designed to make sure that this 
community never leaves you and you're never excluded from it. And we will take you however you are. Yes, descriptive visual services. Jillian yeah. is incredibly good at this. This is her job. Um, so that even if you have impaired vision, you can experience television. And similarly, um, we can try to do better. There is actually a follower whose letter we're about to read, Pearl Turtle, who always remembers to type alt, te uh, alt text into an image or a GIF if, if she's posting that. And I think I often forget but should be better about just like involving everyone regardless of their level of ability or disability in fandom because you can absolutely be a visually impaired person who loves television hearing impaired person who loves television like we want you here and we want to chat with you and treat you just like every other fandom member so yeah you're in this with us so i think it's me right yes it is yes at bamboo beta on twitter writes for me it reignited the love of history I started buying more history books in regards to what I saw in the episodes. Heck yeah! Yes! History is awesome! I was that kid who, I don't know if it's still this way or if it was just my experience, but I'd always get um, my school books a while before school started. Like, even the textbooks. It was just, I don't know if it was because my school was weird, which is super possible. But I'd have the books for a few weeks in the summer, and... When all my friends with siblings would be yeah. out with their siblings and I'd be coming back and everyone would just sort of be gone, I would read my history textbook and just get into the stories there because once you find your own way in, it's really, it's really rewarding to just fall back in time. And also for our UK listeners, Jillian as a child had a British teacher who got her into horrible histories. Is that yes. correct? <laughs> and so Americans don't really know this one as well. Me and Jillian both, like I spend a ton of time in the UK. Jillian had British teachers growing up. Like we both have this weird connection and to I the And I did UK. IB, which is, yeah, you know, UK based. Based in Wales and yeah. Cardiff, is it? <laughs> like what? <laughs> um, but yeah, so horrible histories and like... Uh, what are those those Shakespeare books you had? Oh gosh, I don't even remember what those they're called. comics. They're like British comics yeah, about Shakespeare. Specifically, it was I won't say this because I'm from theater, but the Scottish play, and there's also a Romeo and Juliet one. And if you have seen them, please like send me links because I read. They're really hard to find now. They're so hard to find, but they're so great, and they were essentially graphic novels that included a hundred percent of the dialogue from Shakespearean plays, but they were just illustrated as graphic novels, and it brought life to Shakespeare in a way that, whew, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, listen, Britain, you do, you do literature teaching a little better than we do. Yeah. Except for me personally, because I'm a great lit teacher. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I am, but also I'm trying not to be weird. Um, <laughs> all right, last letter. All right. Um, after a heavy breakup, I rewatched Star Trek Voyager. Oh, yeah. And started writing fanfic for it and advertising for a beta reader. After I finished the show, I looked for something else to watch, ideally with Kate Mulgrew, because I'd got the most massive crush on her. That's how I discovered Warehouse 13. I immediately loved it and learned what an OTP is when the show introduced a certain character in the second season. 
Oh yeah, OTP. Wrote fan fiction for that too. Um, At Fairy Rose, that's F-A-E-R-I-R-O-S-E, read it, liked it, replied with an offer to beta read. We married five years ago this May. Ah! I typically credit Star Trek with changing my life, but Warehouse 13 definitely played a part too. I'm still writing, still very much for those two fandoms. Still thinking about writing an original work, have the outlines down already, that started as a Warehouse 13 AU. At Pearl Turtle on Twitter. Yes! Another marriage! Fandom marriage! Oh, I love it. I just, I don't, I, look, everyone has their passions, and I'm not here to judge, but I feel so sad for people who won't let themselves open up to fandom because of some childhood belief that they think it's weird or that it's not what cool kids do because, gosh, how rewarding and enriching all of your individual experiences were to read but also for us to just share in them with you in this continued conversation that we're all always having. I just love it so much. And I think one of the letters, at least one of the letters, referred to this as, I know it's just a show, but we all know it's not just a show, and it never is. Whatever is providing meaning to your life is never just anything. It's Yes. It's a piece of media on the surface, but for as far as I can tell, as someone who's been heavily invested in having a career in media for as long as I can remember, I know in my heart that media is an experience. It's not a thing. Who is it that says we are all stories? We're all stories in the end. I think it's a quote from Doctor Who. So thank you everyone so much for writing in. We absolutely have to do this again. You're welcome to email us or tweet us anytime. And if you have something that you're inspired to share because of this episode, please write in, maybe put mailbag, colon, whatever your subject is. The concept for that last episode was I wanted to write a love letter to the fans. The last shot we did on the set for Warehouse 13 was Claudia's solo tap number. And and so that when, when she finished it and said Anne's scene and they all said best job ever, I'm gonna get teary eyed. That was the last, you know, that was the last moment we oh. had on the show. And we all came out, we're hugging each other. It was really nice. Thank you so much. We love sharing this with you. Thanks for being in this group hug. And to all of you, thank you, agents. We'll see you for season two. And I believe that'll be in about two weeks. <laughs>